0: Welcome to the Startup CPG Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Yepes-Blundell. Nopales, or cactus in English. It's one of the oldest plants in Mexico. It's been said that nopales was grown and eaten in central Mexico before the Spanish even arrived. Today, the vegetable is still widely eaten throughout Mexico and the United States. It's been called the plant of the future due to its drought-resistant qualities, needing little water to survive, plus it's packed with fiber and antioxidants. And human rights attorney, Regina Trio, is doubling down on nopales in a big way. She's combined her passion for health, transparency, and a love of chips to create Nemes, a crunchy, nutrient-dense snack inspired by Mexican flavors. Listen in as she shares how she's building a sustainable, better-for-you snack brand.
1: Hi, Rehinha. How are you? Hi, Jennifer. I'm doing fine. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for
0: being here today.
1: Oh, no. Thank you. I I am a loyal follower of Startup CPG, and I always learn and appreciate everything that you do and all the resources shared with the CPG community. So thank you for sharing this space with me.
0: What brought you to the Startup CPG community?
1: Well, basically not knowing much about the CPG business (laughs) (gasps) and just reaching out to get resources and meet people and make friends And I I launched the company two years ago, and it's been an amazing resource for NEMI right since the beginning.
0: Yeah, let's start there. Let's start with the origin story of
1: NEMI. Yes, I would love to talk about that. I grew up in Mexico City, and I moved to Chicago 10 years ago for school. And when I first arrived here, I thought... If I find a job, I'll stay as long as I can somehow stay connected with Mexico. I love food flavors, uh, what food represents. In, In Mexico, at least in my home, food and cooking for someone is one of the most generous acts of sharing and love. And I remember at the time when I first arrived, one of the first things that I wanted to find, I had already heard about the Mexican community and Mexican food in Chicago. So I went into a regular grocery store and i remember vividly two experiences that i had the first one was going into the ethnic aisle the so-called ethnic aisle and not feeling represented i remember seeing brands showing mexico or and mexican products that were inauthentic and portraying mexico in a very stereotypical manner uh, and then uh, i remember going into the produce section and seeing the nopales which is a prickly pear paddle and seeing it just in a corner abandoned, a nopales with spikes. And I remember thinking, nobody's going to buy an intimidating-looking vegetable. I wouldn't buy a vegetable that comes with spikes and thorns if I don't know how to cook it or how to clean it. And most people didn't know how to cook it or how to clean it. And it was kind of with these ideas that uh, I later on kind of connected with. I was having some health issues later on, mostly endometriosis and rosacea. Rosacea is similar to eczema, so it's an inflammatory condition of the skin. And I had to move away from one of my favorite snacks, which is chips. So I started looking for chips that didn't use um, artificial ingredients, that were using good oils. And I found very few brands that were doing this. Or the ones that I found that had a good ingredient list didn't really deliver on crunch or flavor, which is something that we... Look for in chips. So I started doing research. Uh, I I tried every chip that I could find and crunchy snack that I could find and brought it home for my husband and myself to try. Um, I started doing some focus groups to, to get an understanding of what people and what at the time who I thought my consumer would be, what they were looking for in savory snacks. And then, you know, this started connecting to other things. So I. I reg I try to visit Mexico regularly because most of my family is still based in Mexico City, so I started just um, mixing spices, mixing ingredients. I cook since I was young and I had a pretty good idea of ingredients and flavors. And most importantly, the ingredients that I did not want to use. And this is how it all started.
0: So when did it go from that moment of you making something for yourself to satisfy your cravings to packaging up and selling it?
1: Sure. I started making it for myself first in Mexico and I would bring it with me and I would share it with pretty much friends and family and just trying to get feedback on that. And then the feedback was very positive so i started doing a little bit more market research at the time i also connected with um a a very good food incubator based here in chicago which is called the hatchery and they help food and beverage businesses pretty much start from zero and and i started learning more about the business and and sharing also the snacks with them. And again, the, the the feedback was very positive. And that's when I started thinking about getting into kind of the business side of it and, and having a little bit more structure with the idea.
0: And so was sourcing ingredients from Mexico always part of your plan, even from the beginning?
1: Yes. Yeah, so when I first envisioned creating a product using authentic Mexican flavors, part of that was also knowing that I wanted to have a deeper connection with mexico when it came to the supply chain and when I, I went to mexico and started asking around about farmers uh and then i started looking about in the supply chain and knowing that i wanted most of the ingredients or as much as i could find to come in mexico and manufacture the product in mexico as well so i connected with uh, some cacti farms the nopalera, which is a cacti farm that are based in Mexico, you can find them in Zacatecas and Aguascalientes, which are two states in central Mexico. And again, right, like I started without any CPG or business experience, so at the beginning I was I was lost about where to find suppliers, what to look for, even the kind of questions that I that I was supposed to ask. But it was really finding connections within the cpg community and i I go back to startup cpg i go back to the hatchery because this to me this were one of the main places that i was going to to try to get information on, on how to do it from starters knowing that i didn't have the cpg background so i reached out to as many people as possible to help out with the process and then eventually i started connecting with more farmers and then it was about 17 farmers later that I ended up meeting the, the nopal farmer that I currently work with, and the same with the amaranth farmer, and, and so on. And it was important for me, um, because of the kind of legal work that, I, that I've been doing, I had a very clear understanding of the values and the mission with the business. So I knew that it was important for me to work with women. And I was very explicit about asking questions around around equal pay, for example, around inclusivity. So I knew that the company that I was reaching out or the kind of partners that I was looking for, I was very interested in knowing if they were female owned or companies with female leadership. So since the beginning, I knew that I wanted to work with women, I wanted it to be transparent in the sense that I only wanted to use real ingredients. And I also wanted to use sustainable ingredients. So having this clear values or or understanding of kind of the, the backbone of the business helped me and was pretty much a, how do you say brujula in English, the Northern star or like the GPS? It was, it was good having that kind of GPS of, okay, you know, there's all these options. How can I narrow it down so that I could really find what what we're looking for?
0: I do want to get into your brand mission and values because I think they're very important to highlight. But first, you mentioned that you had a law career and that you were getting inspiration for the brand through some of that work that you were doing Tell us a little bit more
1: about that. You know, when, when I went to law school, I knew that I wanted to go to law school to do some kind of human rights work. So f- for the past 15 years, I've been mostly doing immigration law, and I started doing that here in Chicago after I graduated from law school, mostly working with Latino and Latina families and clients and unaccompanied minors and working at a nonprofit where we do human rights projects worldwide that are mostly focused on access to justice and mental health and psychosocial support. So when I started thinking about NEMI as a business and as a product and and the values of the company, I go back to that clarity that I had for, I I wanted to create a space, a business where I could somehow continue supporting women, where I could continue fighting for for transparency, um, using real ingredients, using sustainable ingredients. So I think, you know, I, I um, I had a definition in my mind of, what did it mean to create a good business? And and that is a very broad definition. And I think that the customer and founders provide the meaning to, to that, but it didn't make sense for me to create a business that didn't look into creating a food product made from real ingredients, considering the environmental impact of the ingredients that I am using. And this is a work in progress, right? I am I don't claim that my whole business model is is uh, is the most sustainable business model because I'm working towards that. And I think that is a never-ending quest. For example, when I started, um, and my packaging still is um, a plastic bag with front and back labels, and I knew that this was a test. So when I pre- launched NEMI, everything was DIY. DIY website, DIY packaging design. Everything um and I knew that eventually I wanted to transition to a more sustainable packaging, so we're in the process of doing that, but it's still not great, so again i I think the sustainability route there's always going to be ways to improve and to do it better, but having that understanding and clarity since the beginning of of the values of your company has been pivotal for me and for Nemi,
0: so you go from practicing law to jumping in head first into entrepreneurship in the c p g space. Where did you go for that support and the collaboration and the guidance?
1: I went to everyone who was willing to offer some guidance. <laughs> um, having some friends in the industry, connecting through the hatchery, another. Um, incubators and accelerators that that were trying to help CPG businesses from zero and the ground up. So I really went out to everything that I could find, and this was through um, Instagram, subscribing through to email letters like Startup CPG and other resources that they themselves share resources and share grants or um, investment opportunities, etc. with with us. So I the company has been bootstrapped since the beginning. Uh, I I don't work with, I I don't have uh, outside funding. And so I knew that I, I, you know, I needed to find those outlets for the business, right? Without having outside funding. And even though that this is, it's a one woman show, it really isn't in the sense, I mean, it is on paper, but in practice it isn't because I really wouldn't be where Nemi is right now without the help of so many people in the industry. There's been amazing connections that I've made with other female-founded food businesses um, in Chicago, in California, in New York, and we're always trying to help out each other and and it, it really having a sense of camaraderie between the CPG industry. I was very surprised that there seems to be this commitment, and and I think you've probably experienced this through what you do with Startup CPG, but this commitment of, I will help you as much as I can, and I think there is also that responsibility with my side, with other companies of in, in any way that I can help. And one of that has been the grants that I found. So I, in, in 2020, there was one specific grant that, that I found that pretty much launched last year, which is the Entrepreneurial Dream Project that is founded by Jamie Schmidt and Chris Cantino, which are the founders of Schmidt Naturals. And they did um, gave a non-dilutive grant but also a mentorship program. So I applied for for these and then I got one of the mentorship programs. They they gave this away to 10 different businesses, consumer packaged goods businesses. And the amazing thing about this grant was that we were able to talk to A-list executives, investors, operators, and founders like, like Mark Cuban, like, um, like Livio Bisterzo from Hippies, uh, Jamie Schmidt and Chris Cantino, Etc. that I can very confidently say that I wouldn't be where I am, that I, I don't think I would have taken a lot of decisions that I've taken so far without having that guidance. And coming from a background of not having the experience in the CPG or in the business industry, I don't think I, I could have done it without having that assistance and guidance from other companies. There was also another... Um grant that I that I was fortunate to get. And this was a, a design grant from a firm based in San Francisco called Mind the Fund with a designer Kirk Vizola. And he basically said, you know, I'm just gonna give away some grants to any black or brown bike-up-owned business um, that is in need of, of some of design. And I I love applying for grants. I mean, I, I think anyone who is willing to offer assistance in any way. I understand that I know what I know, but I also know what I do not know, and I'm always open to having some sort of feedback, guidance, assistance, so that I can improve whatever it is that I'm doing. Yeah,
0: well said, and I couldn't agree more. The importance of finding that community and uplifting each other in order to build something new and something meaningful, rooted in values, is very important and we saw that in the conversation with Chu Lee from Vervet and Janie Deegan from Janie Bakes. It's so refreshing to see that. But I wanted to ask you, Rehemia, you know, as you're scaling NEMI, how have you found keeping those principles and values front and center?
1: It's difficult in the sense that it takes more time sometimes to find partners, to work with people that align with those values. But the good thing about that is that once you find them, they tend to be very positive and, and, and good and seem to be more long lasting relationships because we, we have an alignment. So um, I think working with those values since the beginning and knowing since the beginning that I wanted to make sure that the partners that I was working with could scale with me. Um, so I think it takes more time. It takes more effort and um, there is a lot of questions that are part of that effort that I remember at the beginning made some people uncomfortable. For example, when when I was looking for partners in Mexico that I could uh, work with for the seasonings, there were a lot of questions that had to do with equal pay that made them uncomfortable. And there are companies that are not interested in that, but there are companies that are interested in that. So to me, that, that that's always a sign of of a good partnership.
0: Well, kudos to you for being so courageous to ask those questions because we live in a world right now where it's either you're asking those questions or you have your head in the sand and pretending not to right. you know, not to know there's an issue there.
1: And I think now that you know you mentioned that I I think you know me being a, a Latina, me being a woman and having go through that system too and somehow still being part of that of that system it is it is our job, it is our responsibility and when you know when I talk about responsibility it's it's a simple definition of the word. It means what is my ability to respond to the changes that I want to see, and how can I be part of this so that's how I see myself in this right like either we're creating small things, big things, it doesn't matter, but it's what is it that I can do from the position that I'm at to create the space that I want to see, not only for myself, but also for other Latinas, other female-owned businesses and male-owned businesses as well.
0: That's such great accountability. And I feel like you take that responsibility and accountability lens and apply it to your brand strategy. You had mentioned earlier that you didn't want to perpetuate stereotypes with Nemi's branding and visual identity and messaging and tone of voice. How did you approach your brand framework?
1: I don't know. Have you been to, to Mexico? Yes, several times. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, from from what you've seen there and from a lot of things that you hear in the U.S. as well, that Mexico, it, it's all about colors. It's all about different flavors, regional flavors. It's a very vibrant culture. And when it comes to food, you find something in Oaxaca, but then you will see that this is very different from what you find in Yucatan or in Baja California. And I wanted to be able to share this vibrancy through the brand's voice, which I think it's also a work in progress. I'm still working on that. And through the flavors and and through the story. And, you know, we're always in constant celebration mode, Mexicans, we celebrate death, we celebrate life, we somehow find a way to celebrate maybe what other people would see as sad situations. So I was very mindful about showcasing this part of Mexico and not focusing on the way that some other brands have been showing Mexico. And I was very mindful about not having a sombrero or not having a maraca on my branding. Not that we don't use sombreros or we don't use maracas, because if you go to Mexico, you will find those. But there is significantly more than that. And that doesn't do, I wasn't, the stereotypical manner that where Mexico was shown, it didn't feel like that was doing justice to what Mexican culture is. So I was very mindful since the beginning of how can I show this in a way that is sharing Mexico and Mexican flavors and Mexican culture.
0: What has been the response to that that branding and that sentiment?
1: So far, the response has been very positive. I think also one of the things that I that I am working on right now is I was sharing a lot of elements about the brand, right? Like I wanted to share the flavors and the culture aspect and the inclusivity aspect and all these things that I think are good for the business, but we're not necessarily translating in the most clear way. So right now I'm working on communicating that in a more clear and concise way where it's still saying truth to the company's mission of sharing authentic, Mexico and with that I as you know I, I mean flavors um cultural colors etc but it's been interesting because at the beginning I remember people you know saying this reminds me of when I visited Mexico or this reminds me of this flavors that I had or um, mostly positive things about it but there were also a few people that were saying I don't I don't feel this is Mexican because I don't see the sombrero. Or these are the colors that I associate Mexico with, which all feedback is always good for me. I'm I'm always open to any kind of feedback because that is what has helped me transition and grow and make changes according to to customer validation. So I, I really appreciate that. But it, as As of right now, and it, and it's been two years since I launched the company, but the the feedback and the response from the customer to that has been, I love the colors, I love how bright the personality is, um, I love the brand voice, and and so it's it's been good so far.
0: I want to unpack that a little bit. So your consumer base is it mainly Hispanics who know the nopales, right? It's cactus, right? We're eating cactus now. Or are you feeling like there is a more openness to eating this sustainable vegetable, as you said?
1: It's interesting because most of my consumers are Hispanic or white females looking for a healthier snack alternative for their families and for themselves. And the good thing about with the Hispanic consumers is that they're familiar with nopales, right? They they come saying, Oh, My abuelita used to cook nopales for me, or I remember growing up in Mexico or going to my tia's house or at home, and we know how to cook nopales. And they're familiar with nopales from a flavor standpoint, but also with the way that it's cooked, and they know the nutritional properties of nopales. Nopales are known to be high in fiber and high in antioxidants, and they're also high in, in water. If if you're eating the vegetables straight from the planter or if you're cooking it in a different way, of course, we need to get rid of that moisture for the snacks. But the the fiber and the antioxidant properties stay in the snack. And then there was a lot of interest and curiosity and I remember a lot of customers at the beginning say, "Ooh, I'm intrigued. I want to know more. I'm intrigued." So I was also getting those those signs and notes into the kind of education that I have to do with nopales because regardless of maybe part of my consumer knowing what nopales are, there's a big educational component into sharing nopales and not only that, but also amaranth seeds, which is one of the main ingredients that I use as well. These are naturally gluten-free seeds that are also native to Mexico that are known for its high protein content. So there is a big educational component that I think will always be part of the brand as well. And just trying to find creative ways to share this with the customer so that that I can somehow bridge that gap between what they know and what they don't know.
0: Do you think that consumer education piece is going to become a little bit easier now that the cactus plant is having a moment, right? It's trending right now. We're seeing the nopales used for beauty products for vegan leather and, you know, of course, in the CPG space.
1: I think so. I think so. And and I got very excited when I first learned about other companies, mostly food companies, using nopales for grain-free tortilla chips or making beverages out of the prickly pear, which is a, the fruit that grows on top of the prickly pear paddle of the nopales. And the way that I see this is, the more players in the Nopales area, the better for everyone, right? Because then we can join forces into awareness and we've connected and I hope we we continue those partnerships and connections. But yes, I, I'm always looking for companies that are familiar with with nopales and that are using nopales in in a way so that we can all kind of get into that nopales bus and and share the awareness efforts
0: the nopales bus i love that jump on board jump on board the cactus bus um where is this bus heading what's your north star where do you want to take the nemi brand
1: a lot of dreams. Um, right now we're focusing on a rebrand that we've been working since um, early this year. I, it, as, as I said, I, when I started NEMI, it was pretty much a test with packaging, with design, with finding the brand voice and developing and seeing what was communicated well and what needed improvement. So i, I been able to gather all that data coming mostly from the consumer and then once i had all this information it was it was moments to act and to change according to that so i've been working with a rebrand so that i can communicate the message better the colors are brighter. There is um, more information about, about the ingredient, about the texture that the consumer is really into, the crunchy texture and the flavors. So I'm very excited about that and about you know, to continue creating a brand that showcases Mexico in a very authentic way. So that's coming in the next couple of months, which is really exciting. There's other things that are we're working on the pipeline for product. But I think for this year, we're mostly going to focus on that educational piece with the rebrand. And we, we're doing very exciting partnerships with more stores, mostly here in Chicago. The product mostly goes to Chicago, California, and New York. So I'm focusing on, on those areas at the moment. OK,
0: well, we need to add Texas to that list now, Rikinia. I
1: would love to. Oh, I, I would love to, Jennifer. So if, you know, any recommendations, are always welcome. I I would love to, and I love also that there's a big Hispanic community in Texas, of course. So as I, I said at the beginning, it's always helpful to have a consumer that understands or knows about nopales.
0: Yep, absolutely. Well, I think you have a fantastic product. I can't wait to see your rebrand. But tell us, for those who are listening and are ready to dive into the cactus snacking category. Where can we find
1: Nemi's? Of course, you can find Nemi on my website, which is www.nemi, N-E-M-I, native.com. I I also sell on Amazon and other e-commerce sites. Um, and then also in some retail in Chicago, some places in California and New York. Awesome.
0: Well, Regina, thank you so much for being with me today. Um, I just can't wait to see what's coming next. Thank
1: you so much, Jennifer. I'm very excited about this. And thank you for, again, sharing this space with me. I really appreciate it. Y muchas gracias.
0: Thanks for joining us. The Startup CPG podcast is executive produced by me, Jennifer yeppes Blundell. theme music by The Super Fantastics. We'd love to have you join our community of founders and experts. Get the invite at startupcpg.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you're listening. It's the easiest way to help us grow our community. See you next time.